You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Good afternoon and welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and boy, do we have a great show lined up for you today. Sheriff Sandra Hutchins is our focus guest. We're going to be spending the hour with her talking about her department. She is the Orange County Sheriff and Coroner. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m. Of course, all of our shows can be heard live exclusively on Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio. Net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen live during our broadcast times. This show is brought to you by our advertisers, Brandman University, Center Club, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, Smart Business Magazine, S&H Rubber, Succession Strategies, Tone Software, and UPS Protection. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs running middle market firms, to improve your decision-making skills. Today we're going to go in a little different direction in that I've invited Sandra in to talk about not only her role in Orange County in the responsibilities that she has, but also one of their programs that caught my attention, which is called The Great Escape, which we're going to get to a little bit later here in the radio show. But first, Sandra, let me say welcome to the program. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. It's nice to have you here. Let's, let's start very simply. For those that may not know, can you tell our audience a little bit about your professional experience, kind of your, your background? What were you doing that led up to being the sheriff and coroner of Orange County, California? Well, um, I worked right next door in L.A. County for 30 years for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. I actually started out as a secretary in 1976. Get out of time. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, I didn't grow up wanting to be in law enforcement. It wasn't uh, something that women wanted to do at that time or were invited to do, quite frankly. But around uh, that time, in the mid-'70s, the L.A. Sheriff's Department really wanted to hire more women and get more women in patrol assignments, very fewer in patrol. And so I had a couple detectives say, why don't you apply to be a deputy sheriff? And I thought, well, you know, why not? I'm going to put my name in. I'm going to go through the uh, oral interviews and the written and the physical agility test, see what happens, and here I am. So I went through the academy over in Los Angeles, uh, worked the jails, worked patrol, Worked investigations, worked a surveillance team, um, and then promoted up the ranks. Wow. So when you first got hired, were you thinking you would spend a long career there? Or were you just looking for a job at the time? Do you... No, it was going to be a career. Okay. I mean, when you pick, uh, typically when you do pick law enforcement, it, it's a career. Okay. Um, you know, there's very few people. There are some, but very few leave the profession, and very okay. few, quite frankly, leave the department they, they uh, came on. So, so you um, went in as a secretary because that's how you could get into the department? No, it was just a fluke. I was just looking for, uh, I was working in a pharmacy as a pharmacist assistant, and a coworker of mine said, L.A. County Sheriff, or no, not even L.A. County Sheriff, L.A. County is hiring uh-huh. clerical positions. So I applied to the county, you know, oh, a huge county. So I right. could have got picked up by any department. Right. And I happened to get picked up by the sheriff's department. Wow. That didn't sound right. I happened to get picked up by the sheriff's department. <laughs> but no, I, I, uh, I got hired by the sheriff's department. And right. so that began my education on what law enforcement does and what the job is really all about. And it got me intrigued. In fact, um, I was working at the Linwood station okay. as a secretary. And at the time, one of the 
uh, deputies was was murdered in the street mm. and died. You know, died uh, at the hands of um, some gang members, and literally the whole station emptied out. And I think that had a lot to do with me deciding I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of you know the people that will you know run to the aid of of someone else. And it just had a, a, a huge effect on me. And so shortly after that, I applied. Mm. Yeah. So. So you were with the L.A. Police Department through some challenging times as well? L.A. Sheriff. L.A. LA Sheriff. I'm sorry. L.A. Yeah. Sheriff's Department through some challenging times. Absolutely. Yeah. Every agency has its its challenges. And, um, yeah, it was it – was, um, I worked a very busy area okay. um, and uh, a lot of, lot of activity, a lot of crime. So, um, so you were able to retire from the L.A. Sheriff's Department? Yeah, I so, did. So what happened that now you're – in Orange County Sheriff. Tell me about that. Well, I was living in Dana Point. Uh, nice. My husband was retired for years. I was commuting to L.A. for about 10 years. And so I thought... You were commuting to L.A. for yes, 10 years. Yes, 10 years. You're I can't imagine. Person. I can't think about that now. I, don't, <laughs> I, I think of every reason not to go to L.A. now. Uh, anyway, but um, no. And so I had 30 years, and so I decided I would retire and had no plans to do anything else in law enforcement. I was going to do what everybody thinks they're going to do. I was going to write the great American novel, can't right? Can't wait to read it. Yeah. And so um, I was retired for about nine months. Wow. Actually, um, all of the articles were coming about out about the Orange County Sheriff's Department, and Sheriff Corona was um, having the legal issues, sure. and so um, the Board of Supervisors was going to do a nationwide search for a sheriff, and so my husband said, why don't you throw your name in the hat? Your husband said this. Yes. And so I, uh, I did. Man. I did. Yeah. So I think I was disrupting his retirement routine. <laughs> I'm not sure if that was it or not. But Sandra, you need to get back to work. You need to go to work, yeah. Yeah, I need you out of the house. Wow. But um, So I did, and uh, I, was a long, I knew I was a long shot. There's, I thought, you know, other people have run in the county. I did not know any member of the Board of Supervisors. I was not engaged politically in this county. And, um, and so I thought, well, what do I have to lose? Right, what do you have to lose? And so here I am. So at first you were appointed to the position, is that correct? I was appointed uh, in 2008 okay. uh, and finished out uh, the former sheriff's term, and then I ran in 2010. I had okay. two opponents, and I won in the primary on that. Wow. Um, so. so what's that like to be an elected official? I mean, is that is this your first elected? Oh, yes. So when you were the L.A. sheriff, you weren't an elected official? No. You, okay. So, no. so this is your first instance of being an elected official? Absolutely. And, um, you know, it, I think sheriff is a little bit different. It's a, it's a nonpartisan position. Good. So it's a, and it should be. Yeah, it should be. It isn't in every state. In some states like Florida, it is a partisan position. Mm. And I think that um, it's a little bit different being an elected and uh, nonpartisan because what I'm doing is I'm the CEO of the sheriff's department. I'm running a sheriff's department. But um, the sheriff is elected, and I think that's a good thing. I, you know, and I think it's right. a good thing that the sheriff's position is not affiliated with one party or another, because you're there to respect everybody's rights. Right. And um, I think it could have a chilling effect if you are, you know, if you are connected to one party very overtly over another party. Right. I, I agree. Um, you should be elected yeah. on your merits of what you believe in your pedigree of your exactly. of your background and profession. Right. And it's all about, you know, with, with the sheriff and law enforcement, it's all about you follow the law and make sure 
you know, that it's applied fairly to everyone. Right. We're talking with Sandra Hutchins. As you hear, she is the sheriff and coroner for Orange County, California. We're going to take our first commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. We've got a lot more to come back to. Matter of fact, I want to get a little bit deeper into the sheriff's department. Sandra, maybe the, the size of the force, the number of the jails. Just kind of give our audience a sense for the organization that you're the CEO for. So okay. stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We're right back after these words from our commercial sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. Today's businesses are embracing voice over IP telephones and unified communication desktop technologies to more effectively communicate and collaborate with their customers, suppliers, and colleagues. The Reliatel management software from Tone Software Corporation helps organizations of all sizes manage their communications technologies to ensure great voice quality and better levels of service and reliability throughout their business. Through Reliatel, you'll gain higher return on investments from VoIP and unified communications technologies while lowering the associated operational support and maintenance costs. Learn more. Visit www.tonesoft.com or call 800-833-8663 for information on Reliatel by Tone Software, the solution for quality business communications. I'm speaking with I'm speaking with Sadir Chatalabada, Chief Culture Officer for Commercial Bank of California. Sadir, can you share with us the unique culture your bank has? Absolutely. As a former operating officer and a strategy officer, I believe and we believe culture is at the heart of everything. Culture is not what we say, but what we do. Happy, engaged employees clearly translate into better products, better services, better innovation, and more profitability. And in the process, we build a purposeful organization. So purpose and profitability go hand in hand. Professional achievement and personal fulfillment reinforce each other. That's what we believe in. That's what we practice. That's what we do here at Commercial Bank of California. Culture is at the heart of everything. It drives performance, happiness, engagement, innovation. And we work really hard, starting right at the top with the leadership team and the management team in practicing what we preach. To understand the true power of how Commercial Bank of California can help you achieve your goals, give us a call at 714-431-7000 or visit us on the web at www.cbcal.com or at our new headquarters at 19752 MacArthur Boulevard in Irvine. 
Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Sheriff Sandra Hutchins is our featured guest today, and we're going to be talking about the Great Escape Program in a little bit, but stay tuned. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who listen to our radio show as a podcast. Over the last 30 days, you've downloaded over 16,000 episodes. For you, we appreciate your growing and continued support here at the radio show. Of course, all of our shows can be heard live on octalkradio.net or rebroadcast from iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, hundreds of business-oriented websites where we've had past guests of middle market companies, as well as various business-oriented podcasting services. All right, Sheriff, tell us a little bit about your department, the size, number of jails, kind of your responsibility here in Orange County. Right. Well, uh, thank you for asking. We have uh, about 4,000 employees, and that's about 50% uh, non-sworn and 50% sworn. Uh, And then we are responsible for the county's five jails, where we have, um, on an average basis, about uh, 6,800 inmates. Uh, We are the eighth largest jail in the United States. A lot of people are surprised about that. Uh, We are also responsible for all the unincorporated policing in Mm -hmm. the county, so we have a lot of unincorporated areas. And then uh, we have 13 contract cities that have chosen to contract with us as their policing agency. Okay. We so that, also, is yeah. that different than an unincorporated Yes. Area? Unincorporated is, um, you know, the little pockets like Cota de Casa and Trabuca Canyon okay. and, you know, that are not a city per okay. se. They're unincorporated county area and then 13 uh, contract cities. Uh, Are you providing about the same service, whether it's, I mean, you're being contracted by a city because they don't have their own police force, right? They'd rather have the sheriff's department do the policing. Right. Or, uh, but So is that kind of the same level of community involvement then? Yes. Okay. Yes. Got it. Yes. And then uh, we also, by contract, we provide the security for all the courts in the county. And uh, we also, for transportation, Orange County Transportation, we provide security there and at the airport, at John Wayne Airport. Right. Uh, and then the harbors, the three harbors uh, in the county. We provide um, boat patrol. We have both crime and firefighting ability and homeland security responsibility for for that. Wow. So you got a lot going on there. we got a lot going yeah. on. we got the only bomb squad in the county. So if there's any suspicious uh, package anywhere in the county, our bomb squad is called out to, to take care of that. So, wow. How has the staffing been? Over the years, I mean, is 4,000 plus employees in your department, is that relatively stable number? Have you been affected by cutbacks? How, how does we, that work? We have been affected by, by cutbacks. We did not hire for two years. Really? And so um, we did reduce our staffing. We've been able to hire some additional personnel. Uh, and we brought on another contract city that really kind of got us back to where, you know, close to where we were. Right. But, um, you know, since I've been in office, we have been fighting a, you know, budget issue. Uh, we're largely funded by the half-cent sales tax, okay. Prop 172 monies. Uh-huh. And, of course, when the economy is not doing well, people are on buying things. And right. that impacts public safety, impacts our ability to, to fund public safety as a county. Wow. I did not appreciate the scale of the job until I was uh, able to visit one of your facilities and kind of get background and get some context for the size and scope of the job and the um, variety of responsibility that you have, right. which you just kind of talked about. It It's a multifaceted and, and somewhat, I guess, interdepartmental responsibility that you have too, right? Right. And we also, I'm also the coroner, and, uh, of course, we have our crime lab um, that serves, again, serves the whole county, serves all the police departments. In, in terms of analyzing evidence mm-hmm. of, of various natures. So, um, yeah, it is. I mean, but it's a great place. 
Um, you know, it's, a, it's great for recruitment because you can do so many different things. You could be a helicopter pilot. You right. could work on one of the boats. You can work in patrol. Um, you can work in one of the jails, crime lab. I mean, you know, it's an incredible opportunity for people. I have to ask you, and it just came to me, um, what percentage of your workforce is female? Um, on, on the sworn side, yeah. um, we Not have about, yeah, on the sworn side, we have about, um, I think it's about a 10, 9, 10 percent. Okay. Not very high. Right. Not high enough. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, Time will change that. Time maybe. will change that. So, we're talking with Sandra Hutchins. She yeah. is sheriff and counter, uh, coroner of Orange County, uh, California. What's the biggest challenge currently facing your department? I would say right now it's it's the realignment, the prisoner realignment, which is um, a lot of people know as AB 109. That was the assembly bill that right. that allowed um, former uh, you know people that would have gone to state prison. It realigned some of the sentencing that would uh, that would cause them to do their sentence in a county jail versus the state prison. And and the reason that all happened, I think, uh, you know, the state had been uh, engaged in a lawsuit for over two decades um, over lack of medical care. Uh, prisoners had brought this lawsuit against the state, and the state had been told by judges, you know, to reduce the population, and it didn't happen. And so it got to critical mass, mm-hmm. name of your show, critical mass. Thank you. And, uh, and so um, Governor Brown had to come up with something, you know, some way to deal with decreasing that population because the state, we were going to start getting, uh, you know, fined daily for millions right. of dollars or they were going to have to release tens of thousands of prisoners to the streets. And so um, the governor came to the sheriffs in the state um, and others in the criminal justice system and said he needed help, and he wanted to do realignment. He was going to put money behind that realignment so that the prisoners who were, you know, nonviolent, non-sexual, non-serious offenses, instead of going to state prison, mm-hmm. would be sentenced to county jail. Okay. So that's our realignment population. Any sense for how much that increased your population? I have uh, uh, over a 1,000 wow. prisoners in my custody who would have been in state prison. So you were like at 5,000, now you're at 6,000? Right. So that's a significant... Yeah. Some of that is increases in our own county jail population, okay. but, but a thousand, at least a 1,000 of that is due to realignment. Wow. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to talk to you, because when I met you the first time, which was at a Rotary uh, event that you were you were the guest mm-hmm. speaker for, part of what we talked about is, you know, how do you help and what are we doing to help inmates learn skills and trades so that maybe they right. stop a life of crime. And so we're going to be talking about, and I didn't realize the program was named The Great Escape, and after our next commercial break, we're going to come back, we're going to talk about that, because I think that has a real focus and appropriateness for the Orange County business community, because I think from what I learned from Greg Boston and other members of your staff that I spent the time with at the farm, um, it's a holistic approach that you're taking to solving this problem of recidivism and trying to help um, inmates learn different life skills and coping skills so that they don't return to prison and to a life of crime. Exactly. So it's an amazing program, ladies and gentlemen, and one that I think the Orange County business community can certainly participate in and I frankly think benefit from, Sandra. I think there's a lot of goodness behind understanding this program and seeing how other businesses can participate. I do, too. Okay. So we're going to take our commercial break right now, ladies and gentlemen, because I want to get back with Sandra Hutchins. She is the sheriff and coroner for Orange County, California. We're going to come back and talk about the Great Escape Program after these words from our commercial sponsors. 
what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Volunteer. Invest. Is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have had these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions through the power of peer learning. These are groups of peers who are running businesses just like you. CEO Peer Groups provides a great sounding board to test fresh ideas and new concepts, review your strategic plans and tactical goals, and present issues and opportunities for a critical discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, and improved business results. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn about our CEO Peer Groups. CEO Peer Groups is a registered trademark of Critical Mass for Business. SH Rubber is a manufacturing company in Fullerton, California. We specialize in custom molded, extruded, and stamped rubber parts. If your next job requires a rubber part, we would appreciate the opportunity to quote on it. We serve aerospace, automotive, and many other industries. We work with many types of rubber, including silicone, EPDM, neoprene, uninitrile, and viton. Our quality system is ISO and AS9100 approved. Over our 47 years in business, the SNH brand has become known for superior quality, quick turnaround, and competitive pricing. Please check out our website at www.shrubber.com or call 714-525-0277. Let SNH be your ceiling solution. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our featured guest today is Sheriff Sandra Hutchins of Orange County, California. And I'd like to let you know that our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from the experiences of our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on our radio show is the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our radio show. And with our exclusive prospect engagement program, we deliver up to 23 warm prospects to each of our platinum advertisers each year. To learn more, contact Rose Chamora, 951-515-4661. All right, let's return to to Sheriff Sandra Hutchins. Sorry about that. We were talking about the Great Escape program. So first of all, let's at a high level describe the problem that the Great Escape program is attempting to solve. Right. So we have this burgeoning jail population, which was a burgeoning state prison population. Wherever it's at, it's costing the taxpayers a lot of money because you have people coming in and out of jail. And it's a, it's the same people. I mean, you and I would sit here and think, if I ever went to jail, it would be one time and I would be out of there. There's no way I would come back. And there are those um, that first-time offenders you never see again. But there's this population that jail isn't always such a bad thing to them, you know, and they they will come in and out of the facility because they know no other way Mm. of making a living or it's drug or alcohol abuse and it's too hard 
to get off of, you know, that. And so they're committing crimes to support that. So what we're trying to do is reduce the recidivism rate. If you remember in the state prison, the recidivism rate was like 70%, just above 70%, very high. That's, seven that's, zero. That's seven zero. That's uh-huh. people coming back into the system. And so uh, we have been doing programming for years for our inmates in county jail. We've had the Great Escape. We've had other programs. We are kicking them up a notch, and we are doing more of them. And so the Great Escape is just one of those programs. And, and what the Great Escape is is when someone comes into our custody, we do an evaluation on them, kind of like a counselor would at, right. at, a, at a school. What do they need? What are their issues? Is it drug abuse? Is it alcohol abuse? Domestic violence? Um, and then we we get them into a program, and one of them is cognitive change. We get them. It's called lasting change. And they go, they're housed together. They go to class together. And we try to change the way they think about things. Uh, and then it gets down to things as simple as, how do you go on a job interview? We find out that people don't know how to interview for a job, how to fill out an application for right. a job, just basic skills. And uh, another exciting project we're working on is we have GED testing, but we're trying to get actually a classroom like high school, like a high school classroom there. So if you before, even before you go to jail, if you get hooked up with the probation system. You get an offense, you get put on probation. We start you in these classes. Mm. If you end up in jail, we continue with the classes. If you haven't finished to get your high school diploma, we and this is all up through the age of 30, we continue that outside of custody. Of course, we have to have their cooperation to right. do that, right. but that's the next thing that we're working on, to give them the job skills that they need to go out and, and get a job and, and break that cycle of coming back to jail because it's costing taxpayers so much money to Any keep idea people in what custody. A, what an average cost to keep an inmate? Well, it's, um, it's difficult to give you, you, know, you, you uh, an average cost because okay. it, it depends on a lot of things. Yeah. Is that person on kidney dialysis? Right. That's going to cost a lot. You have to care lot. for all their needs. You have to care for all of their medical needs, right. and that's a cost to the county. Right. When when you were gracious enough to have me visit one of your facilities, the music Muzak facility yes. in Irvine, affectionately retur- referred to as the farm. The farm. Okay. Right. Um, first of all, I loved it because the, when I got to the gate, the sheriff that was manning the gate told me, if there's two people in this car when you leave, I'm not going to let you leave. And I thought, I don't want to leave if there's another person in this <laughs> right. car because I'm not expecting anybody to leave with me. But right. the, um, Greg and the, and the team were very thoughtful with me. I actually got to watch one of the classes where um, the instructors were working with this hand-picked group of inmates, helping them with life skills. And what, the conversation that they were sharing with me and with the instructors is... I'm sure a lot of us have been out there on a job interview, and we know sometimes on our resume we have some weak spots that we're hoping that the in- interviewer won't ask us about. Uh, imagine if you have to tell them that you're convicted of a major crime. That is a, a mental thing for the inmates to have to get over, worrying that people will automatically just discount them because of that experience, even even if they want in the best way to 
not repeat to actually that was a mistake and it's not going to happen again. So you're carrying that baggage. And one of the things I thought was very powerful was how they were helping them cope just with something that simple, but yet very pragmatic and difficult to overcome in many job interviews. Right. And it, it sounds simple to us, but the, the simple the simplest things are, are difficult to them because they just haven't had the skills. They haven't had the example set in many cases in their families. Um, sometimes it's generational, right. you know, it's been spending time in jail. Um, I've, you know, I've worked the jails and I've seen that. And that was, I think, early in my career, the most surprising thing to me is that people would come back to jail. And that's something that really the public needs to know that if they do become institutionalized, where jail is more comfortable. I mean, you hear stories of people that, you know, when they get out of jail, they'll still you know, keep, stay in their room and, and keep it very dark mm. because they're just not acclimated to living outside of right. that environment. So. One of the things that I, I was impressed with is the discipline by which you select the inmates, uh, the criteria that you use to find the right people who have the best chance to benefit from the program. Well, actually, we pick. Um, we didn't take the easy ones. We took the ones that we call frequent flyers, the, the very ones that come in and out of jail all the time. We wanted to target that group to see if we could make a difference with them. And uh, Governor Brown came down to look at the same program you did, um, and he went into the classroom, and he was talking to the inmates that were in that class that day. And he talked to one of them, and and he said, well, how many years have you been in, in, in jail? He goes, well, in and out? Yeah, about, you know, 40 years. And the governor said, why? Right. And he said, well, I'm a meth addict. Mm. I thought that was pretty pretty telling, right. to start that many years. Right. And But he was saying really good things about the program. The inmate was. And hopefully, you know, maybe we can keep him off meth. What I, The reason why you're sitting in this chair today is what I realized from that, th- that time at the farm is, regardless of how great your program is in the jail system, if that person comes out and cannot find a job, there is a whole community ready to pull him or her back into the life that got them into jail the first time. And if they can't find gainful employment, what choice do they have many times but to go back to what they know that got them in trouble the last time? So for me, a linchpin in, in making the program successful is helping to find that person a job. Right. Right, and we're working with nonprofits on the outside to make and businesses to make that happen. But we need more businesses to be willing to step up and and help us get jobs for some of these folks. It's too easy to hit the reset button and go back to where you came from. Right, uh, and if they get you know too frustrated out there and and don't think that they have another choice, they're going to go back to using drugs or using alcohol and doing the things that they do to support that habit, which. Is crime. You take them out of the general population when they're in the jail system and they're in this program. You're helping to reframe their thinking, and it's a holistic approach. It's it's all kind of training, not just job skills and education, but it's life skills, it's coping skills, it's a lot of anger management. There's a lot of things that you're doing for that inmate. And they've demonstrated as an individual a, a desire to change, and they put themselves through, I think, what is a rigorous program for them. It's, yes. it's not easy to be in this program and to stay in it for the term. And And that's why I'm so glad that you're here, because I think I'm imploring Orange County business owners to think about this is a person that's demonstrated a willingness to work hard to change their life. 
what a great potential new employee that person is. Regardless of what they've done beforehand, you sort of have to give them a second chance. You do. You do. You, you do. And and I, I I had a friend who, he this is what he did. I mean, he had a business, and he hired people who had come out of jail or prison and uh, and he had a great it was a great experience he he really was successful and successful with them and successful at his business and they made good employees so it's just getting that opportunity Um, i think in the area of construction manufacturing labor there's a lot of need for people who have some level of skill but can work hard and get trained to get the actual skills they need to do well in those jobs. I think there are plenty of potential employers here in Orange County that maybe aren't recognizing the amount of money and effort that's being put in by the county to help these inmates to be able to pick them up. And I'm glad that the nonprofits are stepping in in the middle because they're kind of bridging them as Women Helping Women is doing with skills and apparel. But at the end of the day, these people need a job. They do. They do. And, and yeah, the nonprofits have been really great in terms of, you know, that, that critical time is when they're released. Right. Because when they're in custody, we get them sober. We get them off drugs. We get, medi- they get their medical care. They get well. They get healthy. And then, you know, we give them this training and counseling and get them up and ready. And so that critical moment, that, that, that moment where we can fail as a society is at the point where they get released and there's no net out there. Right. There, there. There's no other place for them to go. Right. And it's not going to work for everybody. We realize that. We're not naive about that. But if we could get a small percentage, it would make such a difference. I mean, we're the eighth largest jail in the nation. We shouldn't be. I mean, we shouldn't be proud that we're the eighth largest right. jail in the yeah, nation yeah. because it's costing it's it's costing taxpayers a lot of money. Right. Where if we could turn part of that around and reduce that population, um, these people could do meaningful work in society, and and not be a burden. Well, I see it the other way too, in the sense that for every case that's successful, for every individual that you get on a different path, they're an icon in the community for others who wish they had another way out. But in some ways, the only way is the criminal way, right. I think. We, can't, we cannot discount that that is, in fact, if you want to be gainfully employed, sometimes the easiest way to do it is through criminal activity, right? Right. And so if, if there's no other option, what choice do you have other than moving and doing things that most people aren't going to be doing? So, But if, if there's some people who are pillars in the community said, no, I did this and I got out, I'm living a different life now, those are the people that are more credible to convince the younger generation there is a different way than anything you and I can do. It's one of their own. Well, they are, and those are some of our, our, better, our better people that come into the jail to talk to our, or to our inmates, you know, those that have been in their shoes and now are living a, a good life and are, are you know, living a, have a job and have a family. And so, you know, that really helps when they can talk to someone like that. Right. Because I, I think, admittedly, there is a risk that you run by hiring somebody who has a criminal past. I understand that. And you, but there's also a great deal of money and effort been put into helping these people to change. And the part that motivates me the most is they have to want to be in the program. Right. They're not forced to. They can drop out at any time. Right. And it's not a free ride. It's not like, oh, by being selected and put in this program, you you get out of all the nastiness that we do in a jail. You're actually being worked pretty hard. There's rigorous training and education that goes on there. I've seen the books, and I know the tests, and the process is not a free ride. No, absolutely. Uh, they, ha- they have to volunteer for it. Um, we cannot make them do anything in terms of, you know, being involved in a program 
or working for that matter in the jail. That's all voluntary. And so these are people that have decided, hey, I want to I do this. I mean, I was talking to a young woman who had been in and out of our jail for numerous times for drugs, always drugs. And she said, I, they kept asking me to be involved in The Great Escape. And I said, no, I wasn't ready. And they asked me again. The next time I come back to jail, no, I'm not ready. The third time, I was ready to be part of The Great Escape. And I was sitting next to her at a Great Escape graduation. We have a graduation when they've been you know, clean and sober for over a year. Uh-huh. She's sitting next to me. She says, I never sat next to a deputy before <laughs> when I didn't have handcuffs on. Oh, wow. So, you know, it was great to see you know, this young woman finally make it but she had to be ready for that right she wasn't ready the first few times right which so. is why the program must continue and continue to have success right. so that you can move it forward and and get the support you want we just have about two minutes left until the next break but you touched on something that i sort of was made aware of um at the farm which is um many times women inmates are more even victimized than men in their life outside of jail, in that there is a, almost a, a predatory life that they've led where they've been the victim of, 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 of the males in their life many times, and it's even harder for them sometimes to break out of this cycle because of that. That's right. Sometimes jail, if you think about it, if they're uh, being abused, um, if, they've been a, if they've been a prostitute and, and they've, they've had a pimp and, and someone who's been, you know, uh, beats them up, or they don't have a place to stay, or they've been living on the streets, jail's not a bad place to go for right, them. Cause, cause it's safe. It can even be family members that are victims. It can even be family members, right. and it's safe for them to be in jail. Because sometimes that it's not so, like again, that goes back to it's not so bad. Because they get to have clean sheets and a place to sleep, and they are safe. And someone looking out for them. Someone looking out for them. um, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I know that generally we talk about business topics. I believe in the power of peer learning, which is why I think um, this program is really powerful. I'm so honored that Sheriff Sandra Hutchins is our guest for this entire hour so that we could talk about this program, because I think there is more that the Orange County business community can do to help the sheriff and the others who are working so hard to lower the recidivism rate of these key uh, inmates and people here in Orange County, fellow citizens of the county of Orange County here in Orange County, California. Did I say Orange County enough for you? Hopefully I did. All right, we're going to take a short commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Sandra Hutchins in the last segment of Critical Mass Radio Show after these words from our commercial sponsors. There's something positive about the word up. When things are looking good, they're looking up. When someone's down, you cheer them up. So how do you move up? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up, Brandman University. Brandman is ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top ten universities for online bachelor's programs. Brandman's online graduate programs in business and education also receive top honors. So look us up at brandman.edu. Brandman University. Move up. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. 
UPS Protection has been protecting systems in the U.S. against brownouts, blackouts, and poor quality power for over 25 years. We provide power protection systems, including UPS, lighting inverters, generators, and service for clients from coast to coast. We specialize in solving all your power needs. As a direct reseller of the best brands in the industry, including Liebert, Powerware, and APC, we can solve all your power protection needs. Protecting your power is our main goal. We offer on-site or depot repair of our critical equipment. To better serve your budget constraints, UPS Protection also offers both reconditioned and new products. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. Sarah, Sheriff Sandra Hutchins is our guest. She's a sheriff of Orange County, California. So let's talk about the Advisory Council. Can you share with us a little bit about the Advisory Council? Yes, we have a, a great group called the Sheriff's Advisory Council, and there's about 500 members of that council, and they're business people um, in all walks of life. And the only uh, thing that they're doing for us is they want to help the sheriff's department and so they want to help us financially they want to help us with you know support we have regular monthly meetings uh, where i attend and they talk about ways that they can help with the sheriff's department they've purchased uh, guns for our Mm -hmm. swat personnel they've purchased uh, canines you know for us to use in our crime fighting you know bomb dogs narcotics dogs you name it um, and uh, they they help raise funds to um, relocate our peace officers memorial for the county, for all law enforcement officers in the county. Uh, it was over at the Santa Ana Plaza, and we have a beautiful facility now, thanks to them, at our sheriff's academy in Tustin. So it's a place for the family members to go, um, who have lost officers in the line of duty. Uh, and they have a we have a service every year there, but the family members can go there any time. They have a a beautiful walkway where they can sit, benches where they can sit and reflect, and and so um, and then part of the sheriff's advisory council is our drug use is life abuse uh, program where they fund um, sheriff's officers who work on the campuses of the schools, okay. specifically um, targeting. Um, drugs and and substance abuse on campus and training both parents and children about the dangers of substance abuse. I've heard you talk a lot about substance abuse and drugs. Obviously, it's a problem across the country. Any more of a problem in Orange County than other places that you've seen? Or you know, it's it's no more and no less. I think there's this this misunderstanding in Orange County. I mean, I've been asked when I've been out speaking in Orange County, do we have a drug problem in Orange County? Yes, we do have a drug problem in Orange County. We have, just like the rest of the nation, we have kids now getting addicted to painkillers, prescription painkillers, and when they can't get those anymore, they go to heroin. So we have an upsurge in, in heroin. Um, I have people talk about how terrible the cartels are, you know, the violence, and is that spilling over the border? Well, we're responsible for those cartels because most of the drugs are sold right here in the United States. Mm -hmm. So it's our drug use, I think, that fuels that cartel trade, definitely fuels the cartel trade in in Mexico. Um, So I think a part of this is keeping people 
keeping young people out of jail in the beginning. Right. So I think the prevention programs are so important. Education about drug use. Um, I think a lot of our kids think one time can't hurt me, one time can kill you. Right. Uh, one one time can get you addicted and get you on that path. That's what's scary. Uh, that's what's scary, and that's what I think a lot of uh, there's of no our experimenting with some of these there's drugs. There's no experimenting with right. some of them. Um, they're very powerful. Very powerful, drugs. and they re- re- rewire your brain chemistry so right. that you become addicted from the first time. And that's that crosses all socioeconomic boundaries. It does. It, it does. No North County, South County, East no. County, West County. It's everywhere. It's and everywhere. Almost in the more affluent areas, you can see how that may be even more of a problem because there's more accessibility and and. Maybe the ability to, to procure the product. Right, right. And so if you talk to anybody who's in our jails, it doesn't matter what their charge is, most of them will have been, you know, it's substance abuse, it's either alcohol or drug abuse hmm. in their lives. And so, you know, and it's hard to turn somebody around. We're talking about recidivism programs. It's hard to turn around that 42-year methamphetamine addict hmm. It's much easier to, to stop that child from starting it, to use drugs if we can educate them that it's, it's a danger to use drugs. Right. And, you know, have the courage not to go along with your peers. And we're trying to educate parents on how to talk to their children about it and how to check and make sure, know what the signs are right. of drug use. Uh, our, my, both of my children graduated from a high school in South County, and I asked them after they had graduated, you know, maybe a little bit late, but were the drugs prevalent in their high school? And they were like, Dad, they were in every bathroom. You know what I mean? You, if you wanted it, you could find it, and it wasn't very far under the surface. And I thought, wow, that is really, that's very scary to me. It right? is. Because you it just is. don't know kids at that age, how they make decisions. Right. I was fortunate with R2, but, you know, it's very easy, and it uh, it leads you on a path you really don't want to be on. So uh, I think parents can't be too vigilant. You know, uh, we ask, and I'm speaking with uh, Sheriff Sandra Hutchins here on Critical Mass Radio Show. We have about five minutes left on our radio program. I'd like to ask my guests your guiding principle. Uh, in other words, of all the things that you've learned in your professional career, you know, do you have an overarching philosophy or an approach to which you're using now to lead the Sheriff's Department? And if so, would you share that with our audience? Yes. Um, empowering the people in my organization, it doesn't matter what level they are, to be leaders themselves. And um, I push them to make decisions. I, you know, the old model of leadership was top-down, uh, wait, wait for the next order, particularly in a, a paramilitary organization. Well, it doesn't work. You don't get the best, the most creativity out of people that way. And so I, I tell people, come up with the ideas. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. I mean, we can't, you know, if your heart's in the right place, you know, run with it. You don't have to come check with me on everything. So I try and empower them, and, and it's worked. it just has worked for me because when I do that, when I trust the people that work for me, what I find is that they give me things that I could never have thought about. I also know I'm not the smartest one in the room, and I think that's very important for leaders, and don't be intimidated by that because it doesn't matter what business, law enforcement, or it doesn't matter what business you're in today, it's so specialized. Right. And you can't possibly know everything. I, I, I know a, probably about an inch deep of everything on the department. Um, but the other things are technical, and I have to rely on the people um, that I have selected in those jobs to do their job and right. to be leaders in, in that in that endeavor. So that is the style. Uh, that is my guiding principle, and it's just trust people until they prove you wrong. Right. And it's worked for me. Congratulations on that. Yeah. You know, um, you're the CEO of a 4,000, is that what you said? Yes. 
4,000 person company and which gets a lot of media attention. And I love having people like you on the show. I had the chairman of Angels Baseball. There's a lot of ink about sports. There's ink about you. You know, many of the, in my audience, they get very little ink. Imagine how different the job is and the decisions that you make if you know that there's someone watching your decisions, interpreting them, and writing about them, and having opinions based on it. And um, your client, you have many different stakeholders. Yes. And, And truth be told, your inmates are your stakeholders as well. They are. Yes, we do. And, and you know, it's, it's part of uh, law enforcement is, um, you know, sometimes viewed as the necessary evil. You know, it, it's, um, it's necessary, but, you know, we have to be careful to balance people's freedoms with how we enforce the law. Right. You know, and, and that changes over time. Um, we get a lot of ink. We should get a lot of ink um, because and we, and we should be watched because we're given a lot of power. I only ask that it be balanced ink, right. <laughs> you know, that uh, at least they, they, you know, would ask and we have an opportunity to, to Ex- discuss. Explain it. Explain what happened because right. our folks are going to make mistakes. We're going to have some people that do things that they shouldn't do. You have 4,000 people. Yeah, 4,000 people. Half of them have guns. What could go wrong, <laughs> you know? Um, is what I always say, but um, but it's um, but it's a reality, you know, that we face. And uh, I'm used to being in the public eye. I, you know, look, I'll stand up and say when we did something wrong. I think that's the best thing anybody can do, right. regardless of your business. If you stand up and say, "Look, we could have done better on this. We're looking at it. You know, we're going to correct that." And and I've done that. I mean, we we've had to have done that so many mm-hmm. times. But I will tell you, I wish on the other side of that, I wish that the media could see. What I see, and I see people doing tremendous jobs, serving the public every day, going out of their way to do beyond what they're required to do to serve the public. I mean, checking up on our elderly folks. You know, I've I've deputy sheriffs that kind of adopt someone in the in the community, and they'll go check on, make sure they're okay, just because nobody else is doing it. Those kinds of things that I see, and the letters I get you know, are just make me so proud. Well, you know, it's probably just the tip of the iceberg, but I can tell you from the Great Escape program, the thoughtful people that you have running that program who generally are committed to making a difference at that level and helping Mm -hmm. the inmates to change their life and to apply some really great talent and knowledge and education to make that move in the right direction compelled me to want to have you here in the studio today because I think it's the responsibility now of the business community to assist you and step up even more than we already have to give jobs to these people. That's at the end of the day, without those jobs, everything else is just a great effort that probably isn't going to get the return because these people need jobs and we need to partner with you. So if someone listening to the radio show now, Sandra, or in the future as a podcast on iTunes says, I think I want to learn more about this and how I might be able to become a part of the Great Escape Program or the Advisory Council. How do they get information about that? Um, They can just go to our website at OCSD.org and uh, we have all the information on uh, how to volunteer or how to contact us, um, you know, how to contact uh, our, our custody division folks who are working with these inmates, our Sheriff's Advisory Council, um, our reserve program, our, um, our PSR, our public um, safety responder program, um, who are volunteers. There's, a, there's a countless ways to get, in, to get involved. Right. And, and, I, and I think those are all great programs. And the focus for me today is the Great Escape Program, and I'd like to implore any business owner or executive who has something in their past that somebody gave them a hand up to help them out, 
gave them a chance when they maybe uh, really needed it. Remember how beneficial that was to your career, and that's what I'm suggesting that this Great Escape program can be for a lot of people here in Orange County, and I think it's the business community's responsibility to try to help as much as possible to find successful, gainful employment for these individuals. Sheriff Hutchins, thank you for your time. I've enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Me too. Thanks for being a friend of the program. Welcome to our community. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening to the program today. Of course, this would not be possible without our advertisers, and I'd like to thank all of our advertisers, and there are quite a few of them. Brandman University, Center Club, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, Smart Business Magazine, S&H Rubber, Succession Strategies, our longest-termed sponsor, Succession Strategies, Tone Software, and UPS Protection. I want to thank Paul Roberts, our engineer for today, and Crystal Nunley, our producer, as well as the rest of the team that helps put Critical Mass Radio Show together. If you'd like to learn more about our business, Critical Mass for Business, visit my website, Critical Mass for forbusiness.com. Until the next show, this is Rick Franzi saying I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 